Hey, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson. Welcome to the One America podcast. We're going to have a pretty quick podcast today, but I wanted to talk about the Virginia governor's race and the election results on Tuesday. Uh, Great night to be a Republican in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're going to talk about that. Uh, As you know, we're in a series right now on cancel culture. And I thought it would be important to work this in because uh, the data tells me what I already knew when I wrote my piece in the Washington Post this summer about the culture wars happening right here in Loudoun County, Virginia, in my backyard. And I was pretty sure that Glenn Youngkin had a good shot at winning uh, this election based on the culture wars, Uh, the issues over the school board, the issues over transgender issues in bathrooms and alleged sexual assaults, angry parents, critical race theory. We're going to talk about critical race theory. Uh, By the way, it doesn't exist. It's not being taught. But that's another issue for another day. We're going to talk about that because it really doesn't matter what the facts are anymore, as we know. It matters what people think, and it matters how people feel, and it matters what they perceive. And that's why cancel culture is so dangerous. Cancel culture is just not a hashtag on Twitter, folks. It's just not Dave Chappelle standing up and doing his comedy and and transgender uh, LGBTQ plus people being angry at Netflix. It's bigger than that. Cancel culture is about how we take people's thoughts, their words, their deeds, their beliefs, and if they don't align with our own or if we don't like something they said or something they did, ask Chris Platt how it worked out for him on social media this week when he posted a picture of his wife. He's married to the daughter of Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, and uh, ask him how it worked out for him when he posted something that he probably thought was loving and nice uh, about his new baby daughter, and it came off to a lot of people on social media that he was being disrespectful of his first wife and baby son, who was born as a preemie nine weeks early and has problems as a result. Look, I have a niece, uh, my youngest niece was born a preemie, and she was born at 30 weeks, so she was, geez... 10 weeks early, and uh, she was in the hospital for a really long time, and we're blessed that she grew up healthy, but she had some problems. She has vision problems, as does Chris Platt's son, and um, Twitter went off. The internet went crazy on him because they thought he was being an insensitive jerk. You see that Aaron Rodgers is in a lot of trouble right now, right? Because he won't get vaccinated and he's saying he's taking advice from Joe Rogan, and you know, it's just every day. But it's a lot more serious than that. And the Virginia gubernatorial race was all about the culture and what people are tired of and what they don't want to hear from their leaders about parents not having a say in their kids' education, about the teaching of accurate history, about all of that. Folks, we're in the middle of this thing. I'm in the middle of this thing, as you know, on my college campus at Christopher Newport University. And a lot has happened since I did the first podcast. Uh, about a week or so ago, where I had fully intended to go and meet with the student body on November the 9th was the date we had picked, and I was prepared to do it. And then things changed, and things changed in a way that I'm no longer comfortable with, and in fact, I'm pretty upset about. Uh, The students decided to hold a protest, again, violating the agreement we all had, which was that I would come down and we would talk about this. And that had been being violated for weeks as I was sat in a corner and silenced until I finally threatened that if I didn't get a voice in uh, the university to address the entire campus, I was going to put my open letter in the Washington Post, which we all know I can do. 
And uh, I finally was given platform to send an open letter. You can read it. It's linked online. It's on my Facebook public page at Sophia A. Nelson, along with a video message that has gone viral, literally. It's been picked up by major news outlets. Um, and it has really resonated with people, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. And uh, you're going to hear a lot more on that front. But the basic update is I decided not to go to campus because my security, you all know that um, Willie Carter security uh, down in Oklahoma uh, is my personal security. And I use them uh, when I speak everywhere I go. And uh, Mr. Carter and his team are my personal security. And their assessment based on some of the email threats, I was getting some of the social media threats Uh, in my inboxes and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram were pretty bad. And so it wasn't so much that we were worried about students uh, doing something. I don't think that was the case. I think that uh, the incitement and the protests and the use of incendiary language saying I'm a racist, homophobic, anti-gay, transphobic human being uh, is an alarm signal for people having emotional problems and difficulties with themselves and not feeling good about themselves. And they can be provoked to violence. Um, And we had to really think that through. And, you know, I got any number of calls from faculty and people who had been in meetings, all meetings that I was barred from, by the way, um, student meetings, student forums, faculty meetings, faculty forums led by Dr. Danielle Stern and her crew. And um, again, I was not allowed to be in a room while I was being talked about and vented on and said how dangerous I am and how uh, this and that and just a bunch of foolishness, frankly. Uh, But my voice was silenced. My free speech was silenced. And then it was attacked uh, in a forum in a way that it shouldn't been because it didn't have anything to do with Christopher Newport. My tweet had absolutely nothing to do with Christopher Newport University. It's students, it's faculty, it's staff. Full stop, period, period. Uh, And thank you, Professor Jonathan Turley, for your piece that you did in Georgetown Law um, about this situation. And thank you to CBN and all the other networks who are starting to tune into this story uh, for spotlighting the utter ridiculousness and hypocrisy of what I've been subject to by the mob, uh, the woke mob, the angry mob, the mob that uh, doesn't like to be challenged. They don't like you to ask questions. They don't like you to have free thought. They don't like you to have free speech. They don't like academic freedom. If it doesn't align with them and their views, you're done. You need to be canceled. Your reputation should be destroyed. You shouldn't be allowed to speak. You should be run out. Folks, this is happening everywhere. I got an inbox from a really good friend of mine who's at a Fortune 50 company. Um, She's been there for 25 years, and she told me she just retired and was going to um, do some things with her grandkids, and I congratulated her. But then she told me why she was reaching out, and she said, Sophia, I just want you to know there are a lot of people who are watching this in corporate and otherwise. Keep your head up. Keep doing what you're doing because I left my company because I could no longer take the things that were being pushed on us as executives and as workers. It's a white woman, an older white woman, probably in her, I would say, early 60s, a great ally of women and women of color and the LGBTQ plus community, all those things, as she should be, as I am, by the way. I am not against the LGBTQ plus community. That's just a lie, and it's not true. I had a gay assistant, probably the best assistant I ever had, loved him, still love him, good human being. I didn't care that he was gay. I cared that he was awesome. Okay. And again, I talked about my relationship with uh, uh, my my two friends that I work with, with Governor Christy Whitman 
back in the 90s, and Gina's married to Ricky Wilchins, who is amazing. And thank you, Ricky, for schooling me, for sitting with me, for talking to me, for checking me, and doing it with grace and class, and helping me to see that representation matters, and that, of course, uh, I get why LGBTQ plus kids would want to see themselves represented in a comic book. It doesn't matter uh, if I agree with it or not, I need to understand that somebody else has a different lens and somebody else has a different desire and somebody else wants to see themselves. That is the point here, to educate each other and to help each other to walk through these difficult challenges that we're all going through around race, around gender, around sexuality. It's a changing world and it's moving fast and you gotta have a little grace, young folks, on the folks walking around over 40 years of age. We're learning. We're trying to get it. We're trying to be allies. We want to be there. We want to be supporters. But you got to work with us. You can't yell and scream and get all in your feelings and, and say you're being traumatized and triggered and, and, and that people are doing violence to you. You got to stop that because life is hard. And you got to be strong enough to withstand the stuff that life is going to do because life is going to do some stuff that you don't expect. I promise you, I've been there. So listen, I want to get into this Virginia election a little bit. You'll get more from me on the Christopher Newport University situation soon. And um, I promise you that. So let's talk about the Virginia election. Just quick couple thoughts. Number one, the Virginia election turned on cultural issues. They were... Angry, the parents in Virginia, uh, they felt that Terry McAuliffe did not hear them. That gaffe he made in the debate was, I think, um, his death knell. I think that the, the election was probably lost right there. I think that Glenn Youngkin did a good job of seizing on it. Um, Winsome Sears coming in is earth shattering. She is super ultra conservative, uh, you know, pro-life without exception. Mr. Youngkin at least believes in rape, incest, and life of the mother, as do I. Uh, same with Mr. Moyaris, um, who is our new attorney general-elect. And um, Virginia moved from a really blue state to a really red state in one night. Now, the legislature appears to have kept itself pretty even, I think. Um, and our Senate's not up till the next go-round. Uh, but this is a Republican suite. And these are very conservative Republicans that got elected. These aren't country club Republicans like me. These aren't centrist Republicans like me. These aren't never Trump Republicans like me. Uh, I'm no longer a Republican. I'm an independent. But you know, you all know my history. Uh, what I'm saying to you is, is that um, the state's going to change. And it's going to change dramatically over the next four years. The culture wars are here, just like in Texas and in other states. So Virginians, buckle up. But... I think the point I wanted to get across, and let me holler at my white women voters for a moment. You guys made the decisive swing for Glenn Youngkin. 57% of white female voters in the Commonwealth voted for Glenn Youngkin. That is a 16-point shift from Biden's numbers in 2020. So Glenn Youngkin not only kept the Trump base, he gained votes with black voters. He got 13% of the black vote, which is really good for a Republican running anywhere, but particularly here in the Commonwealth, I think Trump got 10% of the black vote in the last election in 2020, which was a better climb for him than his first time around. But I think what you see is a changing demographic and a changing generation of voters. Black voters my age, 
uh, Gen Xers grew up under all Republican presidents. We did. Reagan and Bush, 12 years of our lives, in the formative years of our lives. So we're not uncomfortable voting for Republicans. We do it. We do it all the time. Now, Trump is something different, of course, but I'm talking about your regular Republicans. And I think that Glenn Youngkin was able to put himself forward as independent-minded, even though he was really smooth about his election integrity and his critical race theory and banning books like Beloved and all of that. That was there, and it was bubbling under the surface. And what I want you all to understand is that black women voters who usually bail the Democrats out did not show up this time. Black female voters showed up in 2020 at 92%. 92% is what Biden got. In 2021, Terry McAuliffe only got 86% of black female votes cast. So let that just resonate. But the real story is white women, suburban white moms here in Loudoun County, suburban moms in Fairfax and the Northern Virginia counties. No, Youngkin did not carry Northern Virginia, but he ran up the vote really heavy in the red, red parts of the state, which are a lot. And then he held his own and cut down McAuliffe's needed numbers by half in some cases or by seven points, or by five points. He gained enough to stay competitive and win the race. So what's my message? My message is this. Listen, cancel culture is not something you see on Twitter. Cancel culture is happening on our campuses, in our corporations, in our universities, in our industry, in the federal government, in state government. People are tired of being told what to do. People are tired of being told how to think. People are tired of being told what they can and what they can't say. People are tired of being afraid that if they say the wrong thing at the lunch table or look at the wrong thing or repeat the wrong thing or, or, or send out the wrong email or the wrong whatever, their livelihood is ruined. That's bull, and that needs to stop. You cancel culture folks on the left, and then we've got some on the right, too. Don't think I'm not aware of that, but that's a whole different kind of cancel culture on the right because the right's cancel culture is January 6th. That's insurrection. That's something very serious. I'm talking about the folks on my college campus who could not wait and give me the grace after apologizing twice, and it still wasn't enough. And by the way, for those faculty and people who told me that my apology wasn't good enough, you need to go sit down with yourself somewhere because you don't get to tell someone that their apology is not good enough. I apologized of my own free will because I was told the kids were hurt. I meant what I said. I asked for grace. I'm making a transition from pundit, uh, writer, author, speaker, journalist to someone in academia, a scholar in residence, a professor who's taught LGBTQ plus kids, helped those kids, talk with those kids. Those kids got great grades in my class. I loved them the same way I loved all my other students and look out for them the same. But none of that mattered. All that mattered was they didn't like a question I asked and they felt entitled to wreck me. Now when you Google my name, what do you see? Homophobe, any gay racist. Yes, me, the black woman, I'm a racist too. And I really had to sit with that. And beside the security concerns, which were real, and I voiced those for weeks, by the way, I asked the administration what they were going to do to protect their black female scholar and residents. I never really got a response. Uh, the EEO officer and I have tried to connect. We will. 
Um, and there's been dialogue only because I've requested it. Me. There's been no guidance. I have no idea what the status against me is of this petition. I have no idea. I know it's been signed by a whole lot of people who've never met me, never heard me, don't want me there, want me gone, want me removed. Uh, this is harassment. It's intimidation. It's not right. Nobody should be subject to this for a question that they asked on Twitter. And, and also, no one should have people be able to go back to their tweets, their posts, whatever, either before they were employed somewhere and try to use those as more evidence for their lynch mob activities. It's unacceptable. It's not professional. And it should not be tolerated. But I'm, I'm drawing a line for you there. I'm trying to tell you. And if you go and look at what I said on television uh, leading up to the election, if you look at the articles I wrote, I told you Virginia was probably going to come out this way because I'm here on the ground. And I know how my neighbors see it. And I know all the neighbors that came and were upset about what's going on with me. And they want to know how they can help and what they can do because we're all tired of being threatened. We're all tired of being told that we have to swallow things that we don't want to swallow and, and, and think things that we don't want to think. That's not okay. That's not America. So we're going to pick up next week uh, back with the cancel culture on campuses. I tried to get Greg Lucan off, but he's out on leave right now. And we're sending him our thoughts and prayers. He is the co-author of Coddling of the American Mind, which is a phenomenal book. He's also CEO of FIRE, which is the campus First Amendment rights uh, educational organization that helps out professors like myself and others. Uh, and again, you'll be hearing more on a number of fronts from me on this um, over the next week or so. And um, just know that I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm going to make sure that this never happens to anybody ever again, ever, 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 ever. It's unfortunate that they chose to pick a fight over something like this. There are so many bigger issues out there that the LGBTQ plus community can be fighting about and having people like me be their allies and help because I don't want them discriminated against. I don't want them mistreated. And I've said this many times. Being a black woman every day in the United States of America over 50, I know what racism is. I know what sexism is. I know what all of it is. And they're mad because I say I'm a black woman. I, I'm not allowed to say that either, by the way. That's offensive too. Because then somehow I'm saying that that is elevated over LGBTQ+. Let me be clear about something as I end. Ready? Buckle up. What I'm about to say, you're not going to like it, but get ready. Let me be clear. Clear, clear, clear as I can be. My race and my gender are immutable characteristics. I was born a female and I was born African-American, black, whatever term you like to use. Black people in this country have a 400-year history with this country of being legally discriminated against by our courts, by our Congress, by the executive branches. 11 of the first 13 presidents of the United States owned slaves. I am a descendant of slaves and slaveholders. I've written about that many times. After slavery, black people had 100 years of segregated Jim Crow, legalized, separate but equal, which we all know was not equal at all. And then after that, there was the whole civil rights era. And then there was the whole argument over affirmative action. Race has been at the very core of who we are as a nation. We know that any black person at any time can be driving a car, and get pulled over for a traffic violation, dragged out their car, had the hell beat out of them, maybe shot to death and killed because the officer felt threatened. It happens every day. 
we all saw George Floyd. Please do not equate sexuality with race. They are not the same. Not in America. Not even close. So please do not equate that. And I know that there are some who have allowed that equation to be made. And they're wrong. Because they're not the same. Gay rights are not the same as African-American civil rights. I'm sorry. Now, I don't care if you don't like it or not. That's my position. That's what I believe. I've been arguing that for years. Do gay people have rights? They absolutely do. Do they have civil rights? Yep, they can now be married. That's been granted by the United States Supreme Court by the Obergefell decision. Whether or not I agree with that or our new governor-elect agrees with that or our new lieutenant governor-elect agrees with that, it's not the issue. The issue is how do we treat you? How do I treat you? Do I treat you with respect? Are you welcome in my home? Can we go have dinner together, have a cup of coffee together? Can we work together? Can we do good together? That's the measure by which I should be judged. Not if I make a mistake or ask a question. Help me to do better as I try to help my white colleagues do better when they mess up, when they come to me and say, I don't understand this. What does this mean? Let's talk about critical race theory. We're going to talk about that another time. I'm going to get a guest on, but you should listen to the podcast that I did uh, a few, maybe a month or so ago now with one of my colleagues at Christopher Newport University. And you can listen to that podcast because it was really a good discussion and we need to do more of it. But I want you to understand that there are two Americas and we're very divided and it's not good and it's not healthy. And we're going to have to find a way to start dialoguing instead of throwing daggers, being angry, being pissed off, wanting people fired, wanting people thrown out, wanting people silenced, wanting people to be out of our sight. That's not good. That's being in your feelings versus dealing with facts and trying to dialogue your way through some, through some things and, and do it in a way that allows both sides to have a voice. Because that's what America's all about, folks. It's not about this cancel culture garbage. It's garbage. And it should stop. We can all have opinions. And that's where it should end. I should not come to your job and try to get you fired. I should not want your reputation on the internet destroyed with labels that I've placed on you, made up labels, made up words that me and my community have made up about you so that you can then be barred from speaking anywhere, going anywhere, because now you're a pariah. Now you're a bad person. That's not okay. I'm not going to take it. I'm just not the one. This was a mistake. I'm not. So I am going to end uh, this podcast uh, with that. And again, say congratulations to the new um, governor-elect, lieutenant governor-elect and attorney general-elect of Virginia. I hope that they reach out. I hope that they govern as centrist, centrist rather, sorry, um, slurring a little bit my words, still a little bit recovering from uh, what I've been dealing with, but I'm okay. Um, at the end of the day, I hope they govern as centrist, and I hope that they are able to uh, build coalitions and help bring people together. And I've already talked to Winsome about this, and and and. Um, I know that she's a firebrand. I know that people are concerned about the AR-15 picture. I know that people think, you know, that Virginia is going to become Texas. I don't. Um, and I'll make sure that people like me are in the room to help make sure that doesn't happen. Um, and there's not going to be an attack on people. There's not going to be an attack on transgender people or any of that. None of us wants that. And none of us is going to allow that to happen because that's what we're supposed to do, even when we disagree. 
I will defend your right to say what you want to say because that's what America's all about. Um, I'll talk to you guys again soon. Uh, God bless you and keep you. And uh, we'll be back next week. Bye-bye now.